0: The Bible gives us valuable principles about how to relate to each other and how to build meaningful relationships. Today, we'll be looking at the importance of being committed in your relationships. This message is the second in the series, Relate. The message is entitled, Be Committed. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. We're involved in a series of messages called Relate. Last weekend, we talked about a very important principle in our relationships, talking about how to build connections, the value of that one word. I hope you've been thinking about it this week and uh, reflecting on how you can get better connected to people. I'm going to give you another word today, but before I do, let me sort of help you to understand where we're going with today's message and as we go through this series in the future together. I would like for you to think just for a moment about your favorite meal. What's your favorite dish? If you had to design maybe your last meal that, uh, that you were looking forward to and you were designing it from appetizer to dessert, what would it be? Some of you are thinking right now, you know exactly what it would be because you know what's your favorite meal. And generally, it's one of your favorite meals because not only does it tantalize your taste buds, but it also is very consistent. Every time you have it, it seems to always be good. It's always good for a reason. It's good because somebody knows and executes a recipe. The recipe may be in a recipe book like my wife has and she pulls out from time to time and she duplicates those favorite meals that we have. Or it might be a recipe that's in a person's head, but nevertheless, when they go to prepare that particular dish, they do it in an order. They use particular ingredients. They follow a process and so the result is guaranteed because the process is right. The ingredients are right, and the process is right, and the results, again, are what you anticipated. When it comes to relationships, quite often we think that just good relationships sort of happen. We can't quite define how they happen, and maybe it's just good people have good relationships, and maybe bad people have bad relationships, and we have all these myths about relationships, but I want to help you understand today and throughout this series that good relationships are the result of a good recipe. If you have the right recipe, the right ingredients, and the right process, if you do things the right way, then the end result is going to be guaranteed. You're going to experience better relationships in your life. And so what we're looking at are are all the elements, the ingredients for a good relationship, whether it be our marriages, our friendships, our working relationships, our fellow relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ, whatever it might be. How do we improve the relationships of life? There's one ingredient that you cannot do without in any relationship, and if it's not there, you'll never have a good relationship, and that's something called trust. If trust doesn't exist between people, then there will never be any intimacy or strength of the relationship at all. And trust is something that is actually a byproduct of something else. Trust is something that is earned. Trust happens as a result of Commitment. The more of a commitment that you find in a relationship, the more trust will be established. When I know that my wife is committed to me and I have no questions about her commitment and when she knows that I am committed to her and there are no questions about our commitments one to another, then we can we can trust, we can be vulnerable, we can risk loving one another because the trust element is there based upon commitment. And so what I want to talk about this week is, yes, trust, but actually the thing that produces trust, I want to talk to you about Commitment. That's the word for the week. Will you say that word with me? The word is commitment. commitment. How do we grow the right kind of commitments in our relationship so that the trust is there necessary to build the intimacy, and by the, word, the word, uh, by the way, the word intimacy doesn't just relate to sexual intimacy, it relates to all kind of intimacy, that we share closeness that we have with other people, with God and with other people. So how do we improve the commitments of our life? I'm going to share with you four things this weekend that will help you to grow your commitment in your marriage, your family, your friendships, your relationships relationships with other people in the body of Christ. The first thing that you must understand in growing your commitments is that, that, that relationships actually happen at different levels. Not all relationships are the same, and so because they're not the same, some are more superficial relationships, they don't require as much commitment or trust. And I'm going to give you uh, seven dimensions of relationships. Let me see if I can draw it here. Sort of a stair step up, and I'll give you the seven dimensions of relationship. The first kind of relationship that we have in life, relationships we have, is what I would call transactional relationships. A transactional relationship is a relationship based around a transaction. Okay? I need a loaf of bread. I go to the grocery store. I have an interaction with the cashier. I put my money on the cashier to the cashier's hands. I buy my piece of my, my loaf of bread. I'm out the door. We had a transaction. We had a brief interaction, but there was not a lot of commitment required there, right? It was just an interaction that happened for a period of time, and yes, I had to trust the cashier enough to know that that they would give me the right change and charge me the right amount, but I always have the option that I don't have to go back to that relationship again. If I want to go to another store and buy bread, I can do that, and so it's a transactional relationship, and so there's some trust there. There's some sort of minimal commitment that happens, but it happens in a very brief period of time, and all of us have transactional relationships that occur. You're buying things, selling things, interacting with people around business situations. The second level of relationship would be what I would call acquaintances. These are the folks that you you know, You see maybe occasionally, you might see once a year at a conference that you will go to, you might just see them in the workplace, you sort of know, maybe know their name, maybe you don't, you know their face, you recognize something about them, you may say hi to them, but they're really not a part of your life, but you consider them to be someone sort of in your world at some level, but you have an acquaintance with them. The third category of relationship is what I would call a shared purpose relationship, or we might call it an associate, okay? Okay an associate relationship. What I mean by that, somebody you work with. There are people at work that you have a relationship with because you're working on a project together. You're on a team together. You're sharing responsibilities together. And and these kind of relationships can be very fulfilling at times because you're accomplishing a mission. You're accomplishing a goal. You're working together, and something happens, even on teams that we call synergy that transpires. And there's a a fulfillment that comes, but again, it's a a commitment around a task, a commitment around a mission. And there's usually not a lot of deep emotion aspects of this. It's more work-related, okay? The next category of relationship is the category called friendship, and everybody needs friendships in their life. These are the people that you, you know a little bit better. You, you consider someone a real friend. I'm not talking about uh, Facebook here, okay, I'm talking about real friends that you have, people that you consider to be a part of your life at some level. You have some conversations with them from time to time. may not be all the time, but if, you, if I were to ask you, who are your friends, these would be some of the folks that you would name. These are the friends in my life. You can call on them when you need them. They can call on you. There's something of strength to the relationship. The next category of relationship is, would be deep friendships. Deep friendships usually have been forged over a period of time. There's a commitment level there. These are the people that you can be open with and vulnerable with, that you can allow to have influence in your life because, again, you trust them at a deeper level. These are what we call your BFF, okay? I just learned that, so I had to use it, okay? I'm kind of catching up on some of this stuff. I'll show you how far behind I am several months ago. I noticed that, uh, I've been noticing for a while that when people would send me text messages, I would often see this little thing right here with a text message. And I had no, honestly, I had no idea what it was. I could not figure it out. I'm thinking, why well, is this like code for something? What does it mean? Maybe they just sort of hit the wrong button on their cell phone. I'm not sure exactly what it is. And finally I said, honey, I don't have a clue. People are sending me stuff, and they have this kind of deal on it. What is that? She said, "Hun, turn your phone around. So I turned my phone around, and it looked like that. And I finally figured it out, okay? So your, your best friends, the friends that are a part of your life that you really do connect with. You know that if you have a deep need, you can sit down and talk with them. They're going to be, again, honest with you and helpful to you. They're going to be a part of your life, and you need deep friendships. The next one, some of you may actually uh, disagree with me, but I'm going to kind of try to convince you a bit today, and that is relationship with your family. Some of you say, you've got to be kidding. My family's not even on this list, okay? But the Bible says, validates the importance of your family relationships. Let me define family for you. Your family are those that you're related to by blood or by marriage, okay? And again, we defined marriage last week between a man and a woman. The Bible defines it that way, and so marriage. Gives you relationships, family, blood gives you family relationships, and the Bible says that family should be an important part of your life. You ought to be able to open up, connect with family members, and the deepest level of relationship, of life, of covenant, of commitment is the word covenant relationships. And that's what you have with God and what God has with you. God established a covenant with us by sending His Son, Jesus Christ, into the world. That's what we're going to see in a few moments when we partake of communion. Communion is all about the new covenant that's been established. We remember the covenant that Jesus made with us, and we respond back to Him with a covenant commitment. God, I'm committing my life to you. It's what you have in a marriage relationship. It happens through vows that are made with one another. Now, to make each of these levels of relationship what they ought to be, there needs to be increasing trust, right? The deepest trust should be in what relationship? You can talk back. It's okay. What? Who should you trust more than anybody else in the world? God, right? And so you have a covenant with God, and so your deepest trust actually is not even with a human being. Your deepest trust is in a relationship with God, and then your next deepest trust, if you're married, is with who? With your spouse. That's what you want to aspire to. And so if you're going to have trust as it moves forward into the depths of these relationships, then what you have to develop in each of these relationships appropriately is you have to develop appropriate. Commitment. So that's the word. So, because commitment is what creates the trust. So, our first point today is that relationships happen at different levels. Let's go to the second point. Commitment is all about what is in and what is out. If you're going to cr- increase your commitment, you have to answer the question what, what is commitment anyway? When you say get committed or be committed, what are you talking about, Pastor? What does the Bible talk about when it comes to commitment? Well, it's a very, very simple thing. Commitment is defined by what you include in your life and what you exclude from your life. How do you know what somebody's committed to? It's very simple. You look at what they include in their life and what they exclude from their life. It's not complex, okay? So if you want to know what you're really committed to, just stop and do an inventory of your life and determine what is in my life and what do I exclude from my life, and you very clearly will understand. Now, when it comes to this in and out, it really is expressed in three different ways. In your time, your attention, and your efforts. What are you putting in, what are you holding out? Time, attention, efforts. For example, if I say to my wife, honey, I really do love you, but I never give her any time, or I never give her any attention, or I never put any effort into my marriage, what am I, tr- what am I actually communicating? I say one thing, but my actions are incongruent with my words. They don't match up, okay? And so my commitment is not demonstrated just by what I say. My commitment is demonstrated by including her in my time, including her in my attention, including her in the efforts that I put forth with living life. She's a part of that. We work together on things. And so every commitment is measured by time, attention, effort. If you withhold time and withhold attention, And withhold effort from something, it is a demonstration that you have no commitment to it. And so, in your life right now, your commitments are again measured by what is included and what is excluded. And sometimes, unfortunately, we have included things that ought to be excluded and excluded things that ought to be included. I got like one little amen right there. Okay, that was okay. Thank you. Okay. Let me take you to the Bible so you'll make sure and understand I'm preaching you a Bible message this morning. Go with me, if you will, to Mark chapter 10. I'm going to show you this commitment thing in the life of one particular person in his interaction with Jesus. Mark 10, verse 17. Here's the story. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Everybody agree that's a great question? He's coming to Jesus. Jesus, I want to understand this spiritual stuff. How do I make sure I'm going to heaven when I die? It's a great question. Then Jesus said, why do you call me good, he asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. So Jesus said, hey, I'm going to try to answer your question here. Are you doing the right things? Have you made a choice? Have you made a commitment to keep the right things in your life and get the wrong things out of your life, Right? Have you obeyed the commandments? Are you doing keeping in what ought to be in and out what ought to be out? And notice what, how the man responds. Teacher, this is verse 20. The man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. He said, yeah, I made the right choices when it comes to these things. Now, Jesus, being perceptive and wise, understood that this man still had an issue with commitment. Let's take a look at what happens here in verse 21. Verse 21. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. There is still one thing. Everybody say one thing. You know, one thing can make a big difference in your life. It doesn't have to be piles of things. One thing can keep you from everything God has in store for you. There are a lot of people that are one thing away from being all God wants them to be. Just one thing, one relationship, one commitment, one thing in their life. They're really, really going along well, but they're missing that one thing. And notice what Jesus said. There's still one thing you haven't done. Not 20 things, not 100 things. One thing you haven't done. He told him, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Jesus said, I've noticed something here. You said you've kept all the commandments, but there's still something in your life that needs to be out of your life. Now, Jesus was not addressing his money and possessions per se. He was addressing the man's attitude toward them. Jesus realized it wasn't what the man had that was the problem. It was the fact that those things had the man. And the money and possessions in this young man's life, they were idols to him. They were controlling him. His life was all about that. Yes, he was doing a lot of the right things, but he still had another God in his life, and the other God was his possessions. And so Jesus said, I realize if you want all this spiritual life that you're talking about, you're going to have to deal with this one thing. There's one more commitment you need to make. You need to give away all you have and come follow me. Now, this is the only time in Scripture that Jesus ever tells someone to do this, but he's addressing a deeper commitment need in this person's life. Now, let's see what happens with the young man. Notice continuing now in verse 22. At this, the the man's face fell, and he went away sad, for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Can I ask you a question this morning, all of you in Frederick Gaithersburg together? Here's your question What was this man truly committed to? How do we know he was committed to his possessions? Very simple. what did he want to keep what did he want to keep in? He kept those in and who did he put out? Jesus, he walked away from Jesus so he could hold on to what he continued to believe was important to him. Now you might say, well, terrible thing, terrible decision. But how many times in our life do we do something similar? That we are keeping out of our lives those things that could bring redemption and blessing to our lives. We're holding on to things that are actually draining life from us. You got it? If you got it, say got it. All right, very important. Here's our third point today. Before I go there, notice what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21. Where your treasure is, there your your heart will be also. Third point, right commitments make us better. Do you want your life to be better? I believe that you do. I believe that every person here today, you're here because you want your life to be better. You would not have gotten up this morning and made your way to church, whether it's in Gaithersburg or Frederick, and you're here receiving the teaching of God's Word because you want, you want something of God. You have a desire for God in your life. That's why you're here, and I applaud you for that. There are a lot of people that are still doing their own thing this morning. But you made a decision to get out of your bed, to get in your car, to make your way to the house of God. I think you deserve a round of applause for that. Aren't you glad we've got some people that want God, okay? You want your life to be better, right? But, but at some point, it's not just enough to show up You also have to grow up, okay? With me on that, okay? It's not just enough to show up. It's wonderful that you show up, okay? And it's a great admiration. I'm so thankful for all of you that have shown up today. But there's another step in the process. It's called growing up. It's called learning how to actually make your life better by doing the things that you need to do, by making the commitments that you need to make in your life, and getting a better life is not complex either, okay? The, the way you get a better life is by making better decisions, better choices. It's just simple. The better choices you make, the better life you're going to have. And the better choices always boil down to better commitments. If you commit yourself to the right things and you remove the wrong commitments from your life, then automatically, just by committing to the right things, the right people, then your life is going to get it's going to get better. So let's take a look at, uh, at some of the benefits of committing to the right things. Notice it's the right things. Let me give these to you. In fact, why don't you read them together with me all together. Again, Gaithersburg, Frederick, let's read. Number one, the first benefit of commitment is they simplify our lives. When you get your commitments right, your life becomes a lot simpler because you know what you're really committed to. You've made big decisions about your life. I am a big believer in big decisions let me explain a big decision for you. A big decision is a decision that takes care of lots of little decisions, okay? And once you make a big decision, you don't have to make the little decisions anymore. Here's an example of it. There are a lot of people that they, every weekend, they have a debate at their house. The debate is, are we going to church this weekend? I don't know. You want to go? I don't know. How about you? I'm not sure. I don't feel like it. Do you feel like it? No, I'm not sure I feel like it. It's raining. No, it's sunshine. We don't want to go. Do you want to go? I don't know. Every weekend, you can predict it. At some point in time in the weekend, the family decision, the family process or discussion is going to be, are we going to church this weekend? And every weekend it comes up. Let me show you how to cure that. Make one big decision that says we're going to go to church every weekend. Okay? Right? You don't have to even choose. So, okay. No, that was like 45% of you. class. Okay. But let me show you why that's important, because you don't even have to deal with the issue anymore, right? Unless you're sick or you're traveling, you've already made the decision. and You don't have to have an argument at the house. You don't have to go through the process of trying to convince your kids, yeah, we're going this weekend. You've already made a family decision. It's weekend, so we're going to be in the house of God because the Bible says that we're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We've made a big decision that that's what we're going to do, okay? And the little decisions are put aside. The same is true in your finances. When you make a big decision about, for example, tithing, that you make, you know, I'm going to give the first 10% of what God blesses me, with. that belongs to Him, it's the tithe. And then... That, then It's the big decision, so you don't have to make a decision every time the paycheck comes because you already made the big decision of what you're going to do. The same is true in your marriage. When you make a decision, I'm going to spend a certain amount of time with my spouse, and you set that apart on your calendar. And it becomes the time that you spend with them. You don't have to decide each week whether you're going to do it or not. No, you've established that as a date night or a time together. And so you put it in the calendar. It's a big decision that already that settles a lot of other decisions. And your life gets a lot simpler. The less decisions you have to make because you've made good big decisions, the simpler your life will be. Right? Got it? All right, go to the next one. What's the second thing? They clarify our priorities when you make the right commitments your priorities become more not only clear to you but also the the priorities are in order as they need to be You, you can have like five six seven eight nine things that are important commitment wise to you but those things need to be in the right order okay it's not just a matter of having the right things in your life but having them in the right order okay for example, I can have a commitment to God in my life, but still have him number four or number five, okay? Oh, he's in my life, but he's not number one. Well, the problem's going to be if I don't get him to number one, my marriage is going to be in trouble. I'm not going to be the best employee I can possibly be. My friendships are not going to be all they need to be. Why? Because I've got the pro- I've got the commitments there, but I don't have them in the right order. And so what commitments, right commitments do is they not only help you to choose the right ones, but to put them in the right order. Order. Let's go to the next one. Number three. The third thing is they clear away what unimportant or less important things. There's some things in life, dear ones, understand that are just unimportant, less important. I'll show this to you. When you get, let's just let's just project out for a moment today, okay? I want you to project out to whenever the end of your life is going to be. I don't know when that will be, obviously, nor do you. But there will come a time in your life. I don't care how young you are, there will come a time in your life when this life is going to be ending. You do not live in this life forever, you will die. And at some point in time that's going to occur in your life. And what let me ask you, when you get to that point that you know that your life is just about over, what are you gonna really be thinking about at that moment? What are gonna be your last thoughts? Are you gonna be thinking about, wow, I really wish I'd bought that fancy car? I wish my house would have been bigger. I wish I've had this or had that. Again, nothing wrong with any of those things, but I assure you that when you get to the end of your life, you are not going to be thinking about that at all. What you're going to be thinking about is, where am I in my relationship with God? And how am I with my family relationships? Is there anything I need to make right with anybody? Is there anything that I've done with my life that matters anyway? Have I left any kind of legacy at all? See, the wisest thing you can do is not wait till you get there and then look back on your life with regret, but to think about it now with foresight and plan your life with the right commitments so that when you get there you will have no regrets it's the best way to live i don't want to get to the end of my life and say i regret this and i regret that i regret all of us are going to have some regrets because we're sinners by nature and we mess up from time to time but i want to minimize my regrets how about you And so I minimize my regrets by making the right commitment now. If you make the right commitments in your life now relationally with God and with others, when you get to that point, you have now reduced the number of regrets you will have. Let's go to the next one. Is this helping anybody today? They give us focus. Commitment always brings focus to you. It brings power. See, a lot of you are spending your energies on like a thousand different things you got all kinds of things going on in your life. This is going on, that's going on. And so you have focus on nothing because you can't focus on everything. And so when you try to focus on everything, it's like light. When light gets pulled in all kinds of directions, it gets diffused, okay? And the power of the light is minimized. But when you have focus, that light becomes more energized. That's what a laser beam is. It has the capacity to focus in and there's power associated with it. So when you have the right commitments, you get focused on something that can make a difference in your life and others. Number five, they create Trust. What's the word there? They create trust. We've talked about that. Number six, they inspire commitment in others. When you have the right commitments in your life, what are you going to do? You're going to inspire commitment in other people around you. People will look at you and say, wow, their life seems to be going better than my life. It doesn't mean you won't have problems, but you'll know how to handle them better. Even when you have problems, you can handle them better when you know Jesus, right? When he's number one in your life, you can still handle them better. And so they look at your life and they say, wow, I wonder what they're doing. I'd like to know how they live their life. And then your life inspires commitment in them. And you can be like the Apostle Paul. Follow me as I follow Christ. I'll give you another point related to this. Parents, understand something. You need to be making the right commitments in your life because your kids are watching you. And your kids, I'm going to shake you up this morning. Are you ready? Okay. You've already committed to coming back to church every weekend. So I know I'm not risking that. All right. Okay but I want to shake you up a little bit. Your kids don't do what you say. Your kids do what you do, okay? And if you want your kids to be the kind of kids that grow up and they are the kind of adults and the kind of Christian believers that you hope that they will be, Who's setting the pattern for them right now? You are. You're saying, I'm not just going to say with my words what I want you to do. I'm going to actually live my life so that you can see how I'm living and you can be inspired by what my commitments do in my life and how they can inspire you. I'll give you another example of this, even in marriages. When you commit yourself to your marriage and you build a strong marriage, you're actually, you you may not realize this, but you're teaching your children how to have a good marriage. You hear what I say? The reason some of you are struggling, and you could I, I'm sure many of you would stand up and testify, yep, yeah, that's me. The reason some of you are struggling in your marriage right now is that you grew up in a family where marriage principles were not practiced, good marriage principles were not practiced, and so you came into a marriage having no clue how to have a marriage because you never saw example, so you've been trying to learn somewhere along the way, but you can't sort of get out of that mess you were brought up in, Right? And so you don't want to repeat that for your children. You want to set the pattern so that when they get married, they can say, oh, I know what a good marriage is. My mother and my father showed me what a good marriage is, so I have an example, a model that I can duplicate with my life as well, all right? Don't shout me down just because I'm preaching so good, all right? (laughs) Number seven, they position us for, for growth. If you don't have this in your life, you will not grow. I'll show you why. Because every point of growth in your life requires you walking. It always is preceded by pain. I know you don't want to hear that, but it's true. Every point of growth in your life is always preceded by pain. Pain. There's something you come to grips with that's uncomfortable, that you have to find challenging and have to overcome in some way, and I'll talk about that more in a moment. And if you don't have commitments when the pain comes, what are you going to do? You're going to run away. And that's why we have a world filled with a lot of immature people because they're running away from the pain that is designed to grow them up. It happens in marriages. Once you get married, I assure you, you at some point are going to have problems. See, how many marriages are problem marriages? All of them. That might help you because you understand that in reality there's no perfect marriage. Everybody struggles with stuff. Here's the difference. If you're going to have a successful marriage, you have to struggle through the stuff to get the other side and grow into the person God wants you to be. Okay, that's the idea, okay? Because marriage, I've told you before, and we we emphasize this in our marriage classes here, marriage was never designed, first and foremost, to make you happy. Okay? It was not designed to make you happy. Now, happiness is a byproduct of a good marriage, absolutely, and nothing wrong with happiness. But first and foremost, marriage was designed to make you holy. Okay? It's designed to change you, to help you to become the person God wants you to be. And so you get into a relationship, the pain comes up. It can happen in a friendship, a marriage. The pain comes up and you run away. Let's talk about marriage continuing here. You know that the the statistics for second and third marriages in terms of divorce, the divorce rate for second and third marriages are higher than divorce rates for first marriages. You get out of one say I'm going to get rid of this one because I'm really happy this one can make me the person I'm just going to enjoy this one I'm in love man you go through this chemical weird drug induced romantic stage infatuation with somebody else you bring them into your life after leaving this one and it's not long before you find out they have problems too because the problem is not them the problem is you because everywhere you go you take you with you okay that's exactly what happens okay and so here we are as a culture running from one thing to another trying to find happiness okay let's let's just get beyond the worry about happiness for a bit let's 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 see if we can't find maturity instead, amen, okay? Wouldn't that be a lot better, okay, that we can grow up, and as we grow up, there's, there's that result that comes out of commitment. It helps us to stick where we need to stick so that growth can happen. Number eight, they are the key to true, lasting success in relationship. When, been, when you commit, make the right commitments, they, that's an element of success in anything that you do in life. Let me take you to the last point. We're going to be done here very quickly. To commit, we have to confront our resistances. Commitment is hard. It's not easy. Because when we, when we come face to face with commitment, we always struggle with stuff inside of us. Commitment brings stuff up. Sometimes people don't even make commitments because on the front end, before they were willing to get in there, their fear of commitment keeps them from really stepping in. So they're always Measuring things and holding back, and so they never even make commitments. And then they, those that make commitments, you always get to the points we talked about a moment ago. When some pain shows up, and you're wanting to run, and so it becomes hard to deal with it. Then there are all kind of reasons why we find uh, find it difficult to stay committed. But what you have to determine in your life is that you're going to overcome those resistance points. And we're going to wrap up by giving you six things here that will help you to overcome the resistance points when it comes to to making the right commitments. Read them with me. Number one, you have to understand, read with me, the value of committing to God and to people. Until you understand it's valuable, it's going to lead to a better life. You will not make the right commitments. Number two, determine what's really important in life, this life and eternally. We talked about that a moment ago. Number three, trust God with your commitments. Let's talk about the rich man a moment ago in the story with Jesus. Jesus said one thing you lack sell everything you have and go give it to the poor and then come follow me right remember the story okay and what did the man do he walked away from Jesus instead of walking away from his possessions can i ask you why why do you think he walked away from Jesus instead of walking away from his possessions well one answer would be that his possessions were more important to him that they were an idol in his life, but, but perhaps it was even more than that. Maybe there was something else associated with it. Maybe he was afraid. Maybe he was afraid if I give that up, I'll not be taken care of. Well, I'm gonna, I'll be missing something in my life. And I found that in a lot of people, the reason they're not willing to make commitments is because they're willing to take the risk of making a commitment, of being taken care of. If I take this next step, if I surrender this part of my life to God, if I give this part of my life to my spouse, if I give this part of my life to God's work, whatever it might be, they hold back because they're, they're measuring their commitment because it's, 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 they don't trust that God's going to take care of them. Dear ones, please hear me this morning. When you make the right commitment in your life, all of heaven will stand behind you. All of heaven will stand behind you. When you make the right commitments in your life, you don't need to be afraid. You can trust God in making the right commitments. God will never fail you. As long as you're making right commitments in your life, all of heaven will stand behind you. And when you make the wrong commitments, all of hell will applaud. Because it gets you off track of what God's plan and purpose is for your life. Next one, number four. What is it? Read this one together, if you will, with me. Repent of selfishness pride, stubbornness and rebellion. Ouch. Anybody want to say, "Yep, that's me." Number 5, we talked about it a moment ago, grow up. Number 6, decide to get out and get in. There's some things in your life right now that you need to get out of. Commitments that you made that are wrong commitments. Maybe there's there's someone here today that you're in a commitment, you're in a relationship right now with someone that is not your spouse. And God brought you here today because you have stepped across a line that is going to affect your future and you don't even realize it yet. And God brought you here today to say, you know what, you need to get out of that. You need to get out of it now because that's going to save your future. There are other kinds of things, commitments that we make to things that are really unimportant that we need to get out of so we can get into. So you can only manage so many commitments in your life and so you've got to make some exchanges along the way. What am I going to be into? What am I going to be out of? And today God's saying, what do you need to get out of your life? What are the wrong commitments you need to get out of your life and what are the right commitments that you need to put in? So let's review where we've been today. Relationships happen at different levels. The deeper the relationship, the more commitment is required so trust can be there. The reality of commitment is simple. It's what's in your life and what is out of your life. When you make the right commitments, what happens to your life? It gets, it gets better. And so every time you make the right commitments, it's going to get better. You can trust God for that. And you have to understand that going to, there will be resistance to you making right commitments. And the people that grow up are the people that press past the resistance to make the commitments that God calls them to make. Would you bow your heads together with me as we pray today? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for speaking to us this morning. And I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray that this would be a holy moment in all of our lives. Lord, so often we allow things to come into our life that are commitments that really aren't good for us. We compromise on the commitments that need to be a part of our life. And I pray that in Jesus' name, if there's something that we need to to remove from our life, God, a commitment that's wrong, I pray you'll help us to remove it and help us to make the commitments that are right and good so our life can be all that you want them to be. I pray especially for marriages today. I pray for those who've been sort of toying with the idea of just giving up. I pray that today, in the name of Jesus, it would come an awareness, a commitment to be committed to that relationship, to work on the issues that need to be worked on so that victory can come, so that breakthrough can happen. And, Father, I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit in the lives of couples that they will begin to embrace that. Friendships that need to be freshly committed. Lord, work relationships that need to be revitalized. Lord, you know all the vital, the important commitments in our life. Seal them today, we pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. and I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that that I am a sinner and I'm sorry God for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward, in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ.